Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 75, Listener Questions. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm Zena. Are you guys ready to swallow the red pill? I think they're ready. They've been. Uh, we've been getting a lot of listener feedback lately. Ooh, yeah. I'm looking at all of the lovely questions we have and comments. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for all those. And as a matter of fact, we just decided that today's episode was going to be about you. We're going to let you, the listener, uh, you've been have so many questions. I'm actually doing uh, double duty here because I'm catching up <laughs> on some questions that I've been so busy and then part of the time I got sick. So anyway, we're going to try to make this podcast episode be about the questions that you're writing. Zena's going to read them out and we're going to um, address them as best you can. So it's a little more impromptu. Uh, I don't have um, uh, notes prepared or anything. Yes. We're just going to do the best we can with this and address what you're interested in talking about. Yes. So I'll be reading the questions. Pastor Scott will be answering the questions. <laughs> And if you've got an answer, feel free to chime in. Of Zena. course. There's nothing that says that if you got two cents worth, you can't uh, throw it in the mix, right? So, yeah, you want to start with our yeah. first question today? So, did you want me to go down the list, or do you care if I jump around? You jump around. You okay. do whatever you like. We're going to just... I really like this question. Okay, cool. Re read the one that you like the best. All right. So, this is from Emily. Thank you, Emily, for your question. Mm -hmm. And her question is, do you know anything about the dark matter they're creating in Switzerland? Ooh. This would... Uh, this would end up trying to tell us well to Paul Wallace's theory. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Of UFOs prior to us populating Earth. I just found this and am uh, am going to do more research about C E R N. Uh, but I'd love to know what you know. Yeah, okay. That's a really good question, Emily. So let me bring some of our listeners up to date because some of what she's referring to might not be that well known okay. to people. Uh, we've barely even discussed any of this, although we covered it, uh, we touched on it a couple of times in some previous episodes. But Switzerland uh, is the host country to a laboratory which is called the CERN, C-E-R-N, like you said there. I, and I may be saying it wrong. It may just be initials, but I know it as the CERN Large Hadron Super Collider. Ooh. Yeah, and it's where they built this huge structure under the ground, this tunnel, this huge loop of a tunnel. Think of it as like somebody buried a giant donut. Okay. Right? And what they do is they bombard uh, atoms of a substance of some kind, and they see if they can cause them to collide at very high speeds, and they're trying to uh, do something. They're experimenting with something. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there's a scientific 
justification for it or reason they're doing it, whatever. But Emily and maybe some others, he's referring to the writing of a Wallace I'm not familiar with. But um, there's a lot of others that are very suspicious about these experiments. And they think that it's possible they're trying to open a door into the spiritual realm uh, the demonic realm, something like that. Okay. And I do believe there may be something to that. Um, I know that, for example, um, uh, to the entrance of this facility there, there is this uh, statue of a Hindu goddess. And I don't remember if I'm, I've got the right one. It's either Vashti or Krishna or someone. And my apologies to any Hindus that might be listening if I mispronounce the name, um, because my intent is not to make fun of anything. It's just that that personage, whoever that is, is supposed to be like the god of destruction or the goddess of destruction. Okay. And so obviously that doesn't make it seem like it's a positive thing mm-hmm. <laughs> of what they're doing. And also... Um, I'm aware of a video that was made, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but there was some tunnel that was built in that region too, somewhere over there in Europe. It could have been Switzerland. Um, and it, it took years to, to dig, and they did a whole thing about bringing, you know, it's, it's a marvel of engineering. Like when they did the, the channel from London to uh, France. Oh, okay. And they went under the English Channel. Yeah. Right? And and so they started digging from one side of the country, and they came from the other continent, and they met in the middle. How do you do that? I don't know. But that's very interesting. It's amazing that they didn't just pass each other. <laughs> <You know? laughs> nope. Yeah. connected. So that kind of engineering is pretty impressive, and I think another type of thing was done over there in that area. I want to say it was Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But when they completed it, they had this big opening ceremony, and it was the most satanic thing you've ever seen. Really? Yeah, you can look it up on YouTube. There are videos you can watch. I I don't recall the name of it at the moment, but there were literally, uh, there was a devil figure with goat legs and horns. There were people dying and uh, ascending up. There were angels, fallen angels. There was all the, and a lot of death. It was just very symbolic of the satanic global elite. So since we know they have their hands in things, it would not surprise me, Emily, if they've got their hands in this. So I'm not familiar with the writings of the author she referred to, Mm -hmm. but I am familiar with the CERN Super Collider, and I do think it's possible. I can't prove it, but I think it's possible that it might be something that's going to end up being the fulfillment of a verse of Scripture, and I'm going to share that verse now. Okay. It's in the book of Revelation, and we've talked about this fairly recently. Uh, And let's see, I I want to say it's chapter 13, but I think I'm wrong about that. Uh, That's the chapter about the Antichrist. Let me go to do this. I, I I know it's another chapter in the book of Revelation, so I'll say bottomless pit. And we'll find it in Revelation 9. Okay. Yeah, we recently just talked about that. Uh, It's verse 1, Revelation 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and we've talked about that before. 
So uh, without going into the whole detail, because I know we got several questions here to talk about, uh, it's possible, and in my opinion, very likely that, first of all, the angel that is given the key to the bottomless pit is Lucifer. Okay. And he's unleashing the angels that are currently tied in chains in the bottomless pit. And maybe this super collider is, in fact, the portal. That's the doorway. And he's unlocking it. He somehow empowers this system to activate whatever spiritual dimension is needed to get to gain control of. And, of course, God's going to let him do it because God's going to use these things that come out of the bottomless pit for his vengeance upon the wicked on the earth. So really good question, Emily. Thank you. And uh, I'll do more research into the author Wallace and see what I can find out about that. In fact, I think she sent me a link. So I'll go check it out. Thank you for your question, Emily. Next, we have a question from Murray, and it says, I am trying to understand how the fallen angels who were all created by God and not birthed as humans are, can have seeds that are compatible with human female eggs. Is it my understanding that angels do not marry and there is little evidence that angels would have genitalias like humans? That's a great question. That was from who again? Uh, Murray. Murray. Thank you, Murray. Um, yeah. So, and this this is an issue that bring is brought up a lot when people discuss uh, the Genesis chapter six. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'll read that first, and then I'll go into the explanation because the, it's a it's a subject we've covered many many times. But verse one of Genesis six says, "And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, which we've discussed, are." fallen angels, saw the daughters of men that they were fair or beautiful, and they took them wives of all which they chose. All right. And then later on, verse four, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which are of old men of renown. We're probably going to refer back to this passage numerous times tonight, because I think as I scanned the questions, just to see what we're going to be talking about, a lot of people are have questions about angels and yes. giants and UFOs, which is really what Bible mysteries is kind of all about. <laughs> So Murray, to his point, um, there is essentially two schools of thought about these sons of God. One is just as we teach that they're fallen angels that were used by Satan to go in and infiltrate the bloodline of man to corrupt it. And the attempt was to prevent the seed of the woman from ever being born that would bruise the head of the serpent, ultimately resulting in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, There are... There's much in theology and and Christian teaching, they reject that wholeheartedly because they don't want to accept the fact that angels could take wives and procreate. And that's what really Murray was asking. I I don't know of them having genitalia. Well, we don't know that they don't. Yeah. You know, God created man in his image and men and women have genitalia. Well, does God? You know, yeah, and he never said that he did, but he is the father. He's a male. Jesus Christ, the son, is a male, mm-hmm. you know, and I have every reason to believe that Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, born of a virgin, born of Mary, grew up as a baby and he urinated like a child would. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had all the same uh, anatomical parts that a man would have. Now, he didn't marry and he didn't take a wife because he knew his purpose was to die on the cross. Mm -hmm. But he was fully capable of the functions of a human being, right? Now, 
so to say, I don't know of any evidence of the angels having genitalia, that is the evidence right there. Genesis 6 says they took wives. Why would you take a wife? Why not just, you know, pardon me for being crass, but rape them yeah. for sport? If they're angels and they're so powerful, they could have done anything. Mm -hmm. They took wives and they bore children to them. Okay. So the alternate view that most of Christianity wants to say is that the sons of God were a godly line of men from Adam or Seth, and that the daughters of men there were an ungodly line of women from Cain and his progeny. Okay. Scripture does not support any of that. There's nothing in the Bible that ever says that the sons of Seth were referred to as the sons of God. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in the Bible that says there was an ungodly line of women called the daughters of men that were the daughters of Cain. Yeah. It's all pure speculation. So they base that concept on one verse that says when Jesus spoke about when this woman who had seven husbands yeah. that all died— when she dies in heaven, who's going to be her husband? And he says, you do err not knowing the scriptures because in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels. And so they take that to mean angels cannot or are incapable of procreating or marrying or whatever. All right. What they fail to recognize is these angels here rebelled against God. Mm -hmm. They're not following God's commandment. Yeah. They're rejecting God's commandment. Mm -hmm. So if his commandment was to the angels, you may not intermarry, you know, or marry at all, whatever you want to call that, intermarrying, I guess, between angel and human, and they rebelled against God anyway, do you think they're going to listen to him on that, you know? Yeah. There's some things that are clearly... Uh, laws of nature and physics they can't violate, you know. But they did something that was so bad that God destroyed the earth because of it. And therefore, I argue that saying that angels don't marry is not the equivalent of saying they are incapable of procreation if they sin. And the Bible refers to a condition of these angels in the book of Jude, if I may, and verse... Um, Six And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judge of the great day. Which interestingly kind of ties us back to Emily's question about the Sir and Super Collider yes. and the bottomless pit. That's where these angels that sinned were. They're going to come up again in other questions, so I'll get into more details about that. But it says that they left their own habitation. Something about them changed. Or they wouldn't have been able to have giant babies, children that grew up to be giants, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do believe that angels can procreate. And evidently, when they leave their habitation, they take on a form that is somehow compatible with human genealogy or human genetics in order to procreate and make a child. What an answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I had to get some you, water Mary, after that. <laughs> for your question. The next one is from Miss Paula. Do you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture? The pre-tribulation rapture, Paula. Great question. Yes, I do. Um, and, you know, I'm going to mention something here because I know if we get to the question, there's another one that refers to basically the same thing, but it's more involved. And, and I'll, I'll share that when we get to it. But um, uh, there are a lot of Christian 
faiths that don't believe in a rapture at all. Okay. okay. And so, and some of them think it's a heresy. And it's like this new modern thing, I said, but I don't believe that's true at all. The Bible very much clearly says that there is a catching out of the body of Christ, that we've been delivered from the wrath to come. And you'll find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 5. So without going into a, a super long answer like I did for the last question, uh, to uh, the who wrote the question again? What uh, was Miss Paula. Miss Paula, thank you. So Paula, uh, I do believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and that's the only reason for it, because we that are referred to as the church, the body of Christ, are delivered from the wrath to come. God has to get us out of the way first, because we're holding back the revealing of the Antichrist yes. when there will be a falling away, and all that has to take place after we're gone. So yes, I do. Thanks very much for that. Paula? All right. So the next question is from Eric. It's a little bit longer, so stay with me on this one. Okay. Um, Eric says, for as much as I want to believe this, I am still not yet convinced that the biblical evidence is sufficient. I have heard you mention in translations in Genesis as reading in ruins and then using that to say that there must have been a prior civilization that was in ruins. Mm. I am not saying that I... Uh, Sorry, I'm not saying that it is not a valid assumption, but I am wondering if you could possibly expand on that. That's the first question. The second question is, is there more evidence for this? The next question is, maybe there is room for another podcast to expand on this. I want to believe this and be able to present a relatively sound case for this amongst my family and peers. This is a whole concept makes the Old Testament God a whole lot less scarier, and I think that's important. Oh, that's a great question. Eric, you said? Yes. Thanks, Eric. So yeah, it's it's a multiple-part question, but I think I get where he's coming from. And, and to help keep our listeners um, uh, into the loop of this, he's talking about really the first episode we ever did, and we've discussed it in others, but mainly the world that was was our was our first uh, maiden podcast episode and we talked about the world that existed before Adam was even made and so um, I felt like Eric we gave uh, all the evidence I could give in that episode to help with that but that was only a 45 minute episode right mm -hmm. and so it's not necessarily going to be something that's going to convince everyone yes um, and for whatever it's worth it is the very title of the book I'm working on so it keeps getting pushed back because the more I dig and more I discover things, you know, mm -hmm. and also time-wise because I work another job. But um, uh, it's going to be called The World That Was, or at least that's the working title for now. So hopefully I'm going to have that someday published where you can actually see some of this evidence you're seeking. But for now, first of all, you have to think about the alternative. If we're saying... There was a uh, cataclysmic, flood, cataclysmic flood in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and I, that's what I'm teaching. Then if that's not true, why is there darkness? Why is there water? Uh, why are these things present? And I'll read the passage. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This is Genesis 1, verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We've got darkness. We've got an earth without form and void, and we've got uh, uh, water, the deep. 
So most of Christianity throughout the years has said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and here is how he did it. He started with this formless, shapeless mass surrounded in water and darkness, and he brought out the, the earth. Why would God need to begin with that? Yeah. You know, he's God. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he just say, boom, be, and the world was? In fact, I think he did. And he created it perfect. You know, he created it to be inhabited. And incidentally, uh, the Hebrew words for without form and void are used two other times in a King James Bible. And in both instances, they're connected to divine judgment. So why would this be any different? I see a divine judgment here. So that's the first thing. There's a number of scriptures in that first episode that you can go to to make that case. There's also other books that have been written about this that are far better than, (laughs) far more scholarly than I'm ever going to write. But uh, I want you to think about something. In God is no darkness. He is light and there is no darkness. So where did the darkness come from? It had to predate God's moment right here. Yeah. If there's darkness on the earth, why would he start with darkness if he's light? Mm -hmm. So that's the first evidence. The second is look at the age of the earth. All right. So uh, the new earth creationists say their theory is the first one. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Here's how he did it. And he did it 6,000 years ago. The earth is much, much older than 6,000 years. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's the geological record, everything about that. It doesn't matter what carbon-14 dating or potassium-argon dating says and if they're accurate or not. I don't trust those things. I don't care about them. But you can go anywhere. Go to the Grand Canyon or go to Palo... Uh, um, what is the one up there in Amarillo, Palo... Alto, Palo Alto oh, Canyon? Yes. Yeah. It's like the second largest canyon in really? the United States. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I'm going to have to go check it I out I just now. read about that. I'm going to go <laughs> check it out too. So it's like the Grand Canyon, but it's in Texas. And when you go down and you see these layers yeah. of rock and stuff, and then you see fossils, and some of them are like... Um, uh, shells yeah. and mollusks and whatever that f- crawls around the bottom of the sea. You know? <laughs> so you see that and you go, okay, those have been there a long, long time. They've been submerged in water. So the flood of Noah is not sufficient to explain the compression and the fossilization and all that happened. It was a hundred day event. Mm-hmm. It takes centuries to fossilize something, you know. So without getting into all the scientific evidence, uh, I want to address Eric and just simply to say that there's a lot of great books out there. I'm working on one that I hope will be a good book uh, to give evidence of that. But if you just stop and look at the world of nature around you, the stars, the planets, the geological layers, the fossil record and everything else, something has to explain this great age. Well, the Bible does if we understand that there was a civilization on this earth because God created it in Job 38, and the sons of God sang for joy. Mm -hmm. Well, that means the angels already existed before he made the planet, and there was no man yet, and so they rejoiced and jumped for joy probably because it was a home for them to inhabit for who knows how long. Yeah. Until this rebellion's happened. And there's no doubt there was a rebellion from Satan and his angels, which is a whole other story. But we know that took place before man was ever created. And then in the restoration of the earth, God gave man dominion of it. So everything about the scriptures is pointing to that, but it's more than I can answer in a single episode. But a great question, Eric. Loaded and good thinking, and thank you for that. Thank you, Eric. The next one is from Miss Leanna. 
It says, first question I have is, when were the angels created? I have always thought that they were created well before, well before the earth, but I have ran into others that are saying they were created on day two or three our, of our known creations. Mm. Yeah, and that was from uh, Miss Leanne. Leanne. Okay, great question, Leanne. Leanne. Sorry, Leanna. Okay, <laughs> oh, pretty name too. So, Leanna, um, the angels. I agree with you. The angels were created in the distant past, and and the really creation for me is Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Is a complete sentence. It ends with a period. Mm-hmm. And it's it, everything took place in there. Now, other scriptures of the Bible we read and we compare scripture with scripture to elucidate that verse mm-hmm. and to learn to fill in the gaps and, and the details. But uh, we know that I, that I just mentioned, and let me let me cite it since I, I read it rather since I cited it a second ago for the sake of our listeners in Job 38, uh, and it's verse... Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Four. Let's do it here for the context. Uh, Job 38.4 says, is God talking to Job? And he says, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Can you imagine answering God a question? Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> if you think you know so much, uh, declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? And by the way, as, as we read these words, look at the construction terms. We've got a foundation. Right, and I'm not a builder, but I know something. Yes. you use a foundation when you make a yes. house, right? <laughs> Who laid the measures thereof? You've seen people measuring, right, to, to, to cut carpentry carpenters. Who stretched the line upon it? You ever seen a plumb line? It's a, you know, you ever seen guys take a line, and it's called a chalk line. Yes, my dad uses it all the time. It. You oh, pop it. What does your dad do? Uh, he likes to do remodeling. Oh, so he so he he'll like let me. I need pop to have him, him on as a guest on my show. <laughs> so popping the line is the line to make sure it's a straight line, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so God popped the line, and then He says uh, He fastened the foundations on and laid a cornerstone. So you see an orderly construction going on. How does that match the earth is without form and void? 
That sounds like a yeah. bunch of chaotic. Right. A, a little kid threw a bunch of Legos in a pile, you know. <laughs> and that's not God. But here's the verse I want, verse 7. He did all this when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know what? When God was laying the earth, the foundations of the earth, the angels were singing and shouting. So they had already been created. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He created heaven and its host, mm -hmm. the angels. And then he created the earth, and they watched, and they cheered. And then they're going to tell people, as she was citing there in the question, Leanna, that somebody is saying that the angels were created on day two of the renovation. Or three. Well, how could they have been cheering if they weren't there? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I believe the Bible's clear that the angels were created before the earth. Thank you for your question, Miss Leanna. Sorry yeah. for getting your name wrong. Um, the next one is from Terry. Okay. He says, I live in Pittsburgh, and I'm looking for a Bible-believing, non-woke church in the area. <laughs> Do you know of any? Thanks, Terry. I love non-woke. Yeah, That's I was great. like, non-woke. <laughs> you know, I do get a lot of questions like that, people writing me as a pastor for recommendations of churches. And to be fair, I only know of even a limited region of Texas, which is where I live. So, uh, in fact, there was once a website called Texas Grace Churches, which was a great directory mm -hmm. for a lot of like-minded believers. I do not know of uh, any churches in that area. So, Terry, but what I would definitely recommend is maybe Googling something like grace churches, rightly dividing churches. Those are terms that I've been familiar with for many, many years that tend to be people that are interested in adhering to the truth of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And if you do that for your region, like Grace Churches in Pittsburgh or rightly dividing churches in Pittsburgh, I'm certain you're going to find them. Okay, so that's the best advice I could give you. I wish I knew more about the area, but I just don't. Hope that helps, Terry. I do too, Terry. Thanks. All right, so the next one is actually from a YouTube subscriber. Okay. Um, the name is Ying Laka One. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that <laughs> incorrectly. Um, but her question or his question mm -hmm. was, when did they thrust the sword in his side? Okay. Ying Laka. Yeah. Ying Laka One. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. And thanks for subscribing. Yes. Uh, and I think they must have been referring to the episode where we talked about the cross was a tree. Yes. Because that's where we refer to the soldiers going and piercing Christ's sigh. So I think when they when the question was, when when did he thrust the sword? And that's what they're talking about. Okay. And I don't know if it was a sword. It could have been a spear, but mm -hmm. I know that they, they thrust something into his side. And it was right after he died. So he, the, the, the three were crucified, Jesus and the two malefactors. And then remember when we talked about that episode, they didn't want their bodies staying all night because the holy day was the next day. Yes. So they asked, the, the, the Jewish council asked the Roman soldiers to go ahead and kill them so they weren't going to hang on the cross because it was a curse, mm -hmm. right? So they did that. They literally went to each of the two thieves and broke their legs because they can't push up to breathe if their legs are broken, and then they suffocated. And they were going to do the same thing with Jesus Christ, but when they got to him, he was already dead. Because the Bible says he gave up his life willingly. He wasn't yes. killed. Okay. So he died on the cross. They went to break his legs. He was already dead. And they thrust the spear in his side, probably to make sure. Is he really dead? Because mm -hmm. obviously if you were alive, you would have felt that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure they... I mean, I don't know if they really need to thrust to make yeah. sure he was dead. You can see... 
someone's breathing up and down. Right. You don't got to poke them. But. Well, knowing Roman cruelty, they probably yeah. just did it for sport, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, but that that's a great question. And uh, that a Ying-like one, that would be the timing of it right after he died and before they were removed from the tree and buried. All right. The next question comes from someone off of YouTube as well. Hmm. Their name is Aswell Michael. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Oh, Aswell Michael. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, what about the great falling away and the time of the false peace and security? How does this fit in the timeline of 2030 in the middle of the seven years? Oh, okay. So all's well, Michael. Yes. Okay. Thanks, my Oswald Michael. Um, I think he might be referring to the episode we did on Agenda 2030. Yes. Okay, there we go. So um, so we talked about, and this is pure speculation, but it's a, just a theory that I have, that um, we talk about uh, in the book of Hosea, chapter 6, Israel says, come, let's return to the Lord. Uh, he hath smitten and he will heal us, he, uh, whatever. After two days, he will raise us up, and the third day, we, we shall live in his sight. That's Hosea 6, 1, 2. And um, that in a concordance with 2 Peter 3, 8, which says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. So we came up with the idea, or I came up with the speculation, that if Christ died in AD 33, in, in that calendar year of the Julian calendar, I realize the Hebrew calendar was different and whatever, but then 2033 will be exactly 2,000 365 day years mm -hmm. from the day Jesus died. So uh, if that is the case, could that be the two days Peter was referring to? And could that, or could that be the formula that Peter was referring to and the two days of Hosea 6? And so we speculated that since there was an event called Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum and the Satanic Global Elite have this plan to do the Great Reset and they want you don't you won't own anything. They want to basically bring in communism. So why that year, Agenda 2030? So we were speculating that what if Jesus were to come back exactly 2,000 years later? That would be 2033. Since we know the seven years of tribulation has to occur before he returns, then um, 2030 would be right about the middle of the week yeah. when the Antichrist is going to stand up and declare himself to be God. So we were sort of thinking, is it possible the rapture could happen in 2026 or somewhere thereabouts? So he's saying, what about the false peace and security? And what about, uh, what was the... The uh, great falling away. The great falling away. So the great falling away is going to be the event that occurs in the middle of the week. So it would be in the year 2030, possibly. Okay. If the Antichrist declares himself to be God and everybody takes his mark and worships him, that's the great falling away. And then the other thing was, what about the false peace and security? Yes. That's the sense that the world is going to have right before Christ comes back. So I would think that... Uh, it's also going to be before the middle of the week. So the, the first three and a half years of tribulation is going to be the false peace. And Antichrist is going to bring that about and make everybody think he's great. Mm -hmm. Then when he declares himself to be God, that's when all hell breaks loose, like that bottomless pit opening up and all the other things that come on the earth. And then the Lord comes back. And it's basically hell on earth from there till he comes back. So yeah, that would be the timing of things, I would I would uh, imagine, as well, Michael. Um, and it fits in perfectly with that scenario, if that scenario I'm giving is even close to being accurate. And it's just speculation, but it's, it's, a, it's an educated guess. <laughs> Very good question. It was a good question. Thank you for that. And thanks again for subscribing to Oswell, yes. Michael. 
All right, the next one is from Stanley and says, As a fellow lay Bible believer, I really harmonize with your explanations on what the prophecies mean in relation to current and future events. Hmm. However, you lost credibility when you chickened out of answering the caller's challenge <laughs> to the rapture by saying you didn't argue doctrine. Yeah. I'm curious to know exactly where you first heard and exposed the concept which I view as being used to eclipse the great and glorious second coming of Christ. Okay, so Stanley, thanks for your question. He must be referring to the last interview that I did with the uh, George Norrie and Coast to Coast. Yes. And uh, because it was a call-in show and somebody asked about the rapture. Um, there are a lot of Christians that don't believe the rapture is true, mm -hmm. and evidently Stanley's one of them, and that's fine. I, we can agree to disagree. I respect that. He's saying it takes away from the glorious coming of, second, uh, of Jesus Christ. I completely disagree with that. Uh, his glorious appearing, we're going to be with him. We go up to return, and we go up to, uh, to be delivered from the wrath to come, as I stated earlier. Um, I was not chickening out of debating. It was not my show. Yeah. And it was George Nuri's gracious host that he allowed me to talk about. And I made the statement when a person called and they said they wanted to refute or debate the rapture. I said, I, this is not the place to do that. And I don't debate uh, because I, you've got to understand something, folks. I've been preaching for 40 years. I've heard every rebuttal there is. And I'm not trying to tell you I know everything. I learn something new every day, and the Lord corrects me constantly. But you're not going to surprise me with the same arguments I've had with people a thousand times. Yeah. Okay? And it's not that I don't want to defend my position. It's a waste of time for me to argue with a person who wants to prove me wrong. They're not interested in learning anything. They're interested in proving me wrong. God does not get glorified in that. And as far as I'm concerned, I am defending the faith with what I do. Yes. It doesn't have to be on your terms. I'm going to defend the faith according to this ministry God gave me on my terms. Mm -hmm. And so for me, if you and I want to sit down one-on-one -on -one over coffee and discuss scripture, I'll do it. But if you want to get in some public forum and you're hiding behind a moniker on, you know, YouTube or whatever, or, or a, a call-in show or whatever, and you want to debate things with me, you've got one opinion, I've got one, and there's a billion others, yes. right? So th there's no point to that. It doesn't glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It just makes each of us defend our position, and we end up being mad at each other. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather be your friend, you know, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. And if you really don't like what we teach or what we say, and I said this last week, and I mean it in all sincerity, start your own podcast and educate people to your belief and do what I'm doing because, hey, it is very easy to start a program. Yes. Now you can't have Xena. Sorry. That's... <laughs> That's part of the magic of this show. I'm not about to give up Xena, but you can certainly start your own podcast. So in all sincerity, Stanley, thank you for the question, and I do appreciate your thoughts about that and your opinion, but I really don't feel like I was shying away from it. I just didn't feel like it was my forum to do so. Mm -hmm. And you also have to understand, most of the time, whenever you're having to discuss discussing with other people, they aren't listening to understand. They're listening to reply. You bought so, that is wise words. 
And, and you know what? I've been that way most of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think what you said is absolutely true, Zena. I'm not a, as good a listener as I should be because I probably most of my life have been listening to you preparing what I'm going to say back Yes. instead of really listening and taking it in. Mm-hmm. And that really, again, is the debate is not that. Debate is not communication. Yeah. Debate is a quarrel set in a somewhat civil setting. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched politicians debate? They say some of the darnest, like, it'll be like they're asking something about how can you make the economy better? And then they're like, well, did you know this person's breath stinks? Or (laughs) did you know that this person likes to give kids kisses on the cheek? And it's like, that has nothing to do with the question. You aren't even paying attention. You were just responding and responding and responding and you look Quite ignorant. I've never watched a debate <laughs> of candidates and walked away being convinced that somebody else was better than the other. Oh my gosh, I've walked away laughing. I had to write uh, essays about the debate between uh, Trump and Hillary, and must I say they are hilarious. <laughs> um, I was really sad that, that that's who we had down for becoming our president, but you know, to each their own, that's what we had left. And I'm like, Wow. It's yeah. like two toddlers fighting over a toy. It, it really is. And to me, they're all crooks. Yeah. So why would I give any of them credibility? So anyway, I digress. But <laughs> Stanley, thanks for the question. Yes, thank you, And Stanley. we may have time for one more if we have another. Uh, we do have one more. Okay. This one is a bit long. Okay. Um, It is from Joey, and I'm just going to read it on out. It says, I keep hearing other preachers bring up the temptation of Jesus. Sure, if he, and in parentheses he put Satan, could not fulfill the offer of all of the kingdoms and would not have been, it wouldn't have been much of a temptation, which Mm. I'm going to correct you. Uh, Satan could have given Jesus all of the kingdoms, if I'm not mistaken. Like he could fulfill. He said they were in his power. Yes, and I think the reason why Jesus did not um, take those is because he was very much aware Satan did have them all in his powers and he could give them to him. But Jesus is a God-fearing man and he knew that later on he would have all of them. Right. Um, didn't mean to interrupt your uh, statement there, Joey, but um, back to what he was saying. I agree with I agree with that wholeheartedly, but there is a thing. Jesus was fully a man and fully uh, fully a godly, God almighty. <clears throat> tempting Jesus with kingdoms on earth is akin to tempting a crawfish farmer with five pounds of crawfish. <laughs> this guy's from it Louisiana. It just doesn't <laughs> wash. Something is missing here. To tempt God with a few kingdoms on earth that he created is no temptation. Not to mention that being tempted by being that he created in the first place is almost laughable to me. So what am I missing here, Pastor Scott? Okay, and that's from Joey. That's from Joey. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet Joey's from Louisiana because he mentioned crawfish. I so. know. <laughs> when I saw the crawfish, I was like, you know what? That sounds great right now. <laughs> so if I can summarize, basically he's saying Jesus is God, which he is. He's God mm-hmm. Almighty. So how could the offer of all the kingdoms be a temptation to him? Is that where he's coming from? I think that's what he's asking. Yeah. If he created everything why would the kingdoms be considered a temptation? Exactly. Okay. So it's a great question, Joey, and thank you for that. And you know, it really gets down to the thing about Jesus Christ that is so hard for us to comprehend, how he can be both fully God and fully man. Yes. Because, so he's God, he's the creator. He created all things. The Bible says he's the word, in the beginning was the word. So, and yet he became an infant to be born, a, a a fertilized egg to become a zygote, to become a fetus, to become a child, to be born and to grow up a man. 
Yes. Right. So he went through all that, and yet here he was God. But was he every moment in the womb God in control of the universe, or was he growing as a baby? He was growing as a baby. Yeah, I think he was. And so the Bible says, to give you a good reference in Hebrews chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, and he's referring to Jesus, that is passed into the heavens where he is now, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of in our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So he had to be fully man yes. if he could be tempted in all points. He got hungry, he got angry, or he could have. He could have gotten mad, he could have lost his temper, whatever. But he didn't, not unless it was righteously, you know, like he chased the money changers out of the temple. So Joey, I think what you might be missing here is that he's fully man. And to some extent, he divested himself of every aspect of his godhood while he was a man so that he could be tempted. God the Father is in heaven. They're one. They're in communication mm-hmm. with each other, and yet they're separate from one another in the realm of heaven Yes, as he's a man on the earth, and Jesus is flesh and blood, and he died. How can God die? A man can die. Mm-hmm. All right? So at some point... Jesus Christ on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, then the oneness had to have been severed for at least a moment. Yes. I believe when our sin was placed upon him, God turned his face and he allowed him to die and he went to hell to pay for our sins. So he was every bit a man that could have said to hell with this, it's not worth it. They're not worth it. I don't think mankind is worth redeeming. I'd rather not go through the sufferings of the cross and the pangs of hell for God's glory to redeem them. I'll just go ahead and take the glory in the kingdoms now that Satan has to offer me. Now, he didn't do that, obviously. Yeah. Thank God. But he could have because he was a man and it would have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. Don't we want the easy route all the time? Yes, Don't yes. we want the short path? Yes. <laughs> so he was fully God, Joey, but he was fully man. And if he hadn't been a man, then the cross was nothing, you know? But if he was a man, totally obedient upon the Father, and the Bible even says he, he became obedient even to the death of the cross, mm-hmm. he trusted that God the Father would restore him to his glory if he would allow the Roman soldiers to crucify him and that he would be obedient to God the Father to go and die for sins as a human being, as a man with flesh and blood, and then God would restore him to his glory. So it's a great question, and it is really the age-old question of how could he do this? How could he be tempted? He was tempted because he had a body just like yours. And as you and I both might be tempted to overeat crawfish, (laughs) he was tempted the same way too, although he probably never ate a crawfish since they're not kosher. I was just about to ask that question, but uh, you answered it. I was going to say, so you're saying Jesus was a human. He was absolutely human. He had emotions. He had emotions. He wept. He laughed. Mm-hmm. He cried. He he got angry to the money changers. He prayed, and he prayed uh, great drops of blood, sweat out of his body when he what? prayed. Yeah, and uh, and he absolutely was tempted in all points, like as we mm-hmm. are. The Bible says, yet without sin. So he never did sin 
That's why he became the perfect sacrifice. He wouldn't have been the sacrifice if he'd just been God mm -hmm. on the earth. But if he was God in man redeeming the world to, to the Father, then he was a flesh and blood human that could suffer these temptations. Yes. So great question, Joey. You're really thinking, and that's a that's a powerful, powerful concept to, to, to get into, but I hope that helps somehow. Yeah. Thank you for your question, Joey. Sorry to have cut it off before I finish reading it. That's all right. I, I, I was thankful for your understanding of it, too, and your explanation. And does that pretty much wrap us up today? That is all of the questions. Okay. And I know we have more than that, folks, and I will eventually get to writing back to everybody that does write or replying to comments as best I can. But I thought, well, what a great opportunity to do that, at least in an episode. Yes. Because you've been waiting, and you're like, your questions are great, so please keep them coming. Mm-hmm. And Zena, as always, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is our 75th episode. Holy moly. Yeah. And we are well over 53,000 subscribers. I actually, I want to say it's 55. Uh, it might be. Let me, let me check that right quick because I'd like to send our listeners off with some really good news. That is awesome. So I can say thank you to them. And uh, here we go. I'm just logging in so I can take a quick peek at the, uh, oops. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, we can't log in that right now. Yeah, you know, it's always going to not cooperate when you're trying <laughs> to rush and do something quickly. <laughs> so let's give it an accurate number, 55,890. Wow. Almost 56,000. So yes, from the bottom of our hearts. Yes. Thank you for listening. And thank you for joining us today. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Yes. Like as always, guys, thank you so much for subscribing. Please like and share. And if you enjoyed our listeners question uh, video, let us know. Maybe we can do some more in mm. the future. Great as well idea. as please keep those questions coming. We appreciate them very much. Absolutely. That's a great idea. We'll do another episode of the same thing yeah. sometime along. Well, not all the time, but we'll do it every now and then to give you guys a nice little treat. Yes. Well, thanks again and take care. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.